Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast. I'm going to share with you during the next few minutes of this podcast our Sunday evening Bible study that was recorded on the 3rd of December. Uh, It is uh, the second part of the uh, message uh, concerning the covenant of blood and uh, that covenant uh, that defines the difference between the blood covenant and the political covenant of our day. So as I go into this message, I hope you will enjoy it, and I will be back with you at the conclusion of the message. God bless you as you listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sunday Evening Bible Study. We're glad to have you both by Facebook and by Mike Springston FFC Podcast. Uh, We welcome you in from wherever you're listening or from wherever you're downloading. Tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, the blood, the blood covenant, and we're going to be doing some more defining on the differences between the social covenanting of our day and which we call uh, the uh, political covenant, which is the Western style covenant, and the blood covenant which is the style of covenant that is biblical. And uh, we hope you'll enjoy it. Before we do that, we want to remind you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's Direct Messaging. And I also want to remind you about my book, I Surrender, available on Amazon and uh, through your local bookstore. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we will get into the teaching of God's Word tonight as the Lord shares it with us. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. We thank you, Jesus, because you will speak to us through the Holy Spirit. From the Holy Spirit, you will show us what to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We'll receive it. We'll release it to your people. From there, we will come into the position of greater understanding, greater knowledge, a deeper and more mature walk in you. We give you praise and honor for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Our text comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, of how much... Sore punishment shall uh, suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Tonight we're going to focus on how the Western world perceives the Christian and why they perceive him, perceive him that way. Now the Western world has served to trodden underfoot the work of the Son of God. How have they done it? By not adhering to the covenant system laid down by God himself shown to us in the Old Testament and brought to us in the New. The covenant that he used to sanctify Himself being Jesus, and that he used to sanctify the brethren, of which God is still functioning. My friend, as I mentioned this morning, he has never changed. The scripture declares that we have counted the blood of the covenant 
to be a common thing. That's what it means to say that it's unholy. We have therefore never understood the force of the blood, which means that we've never understood the power that was in the blood and the blood that made up the covenant to eradicate and eliminate sin in the life of one who would believe through the force of the blood. The blood was not shed and covenanted for us to say we know Christ and to continue to live a life in the same manner as we always did. My friend, the blood is far more powerful and from a far more powerful source than to allow that precious blood of Jesus to have been shed. And then, from that source, do nothing in you to change, eradicate, eliminate the thing that the blood was shed, for which it was shed, which was your defiled, sinful self. We have made the blood to be a common thing, and in so doing, we have also insulted grace. We placed ourselves on a collision course with the God who is a God of both vengeance and judgment with the nature of our Western culture. So why does the Western world find a distaste? Why does the world in general find a distaste with those in the West who are Christians? Why is in the Eastern world those who are coming to Christ being found to be distasteful and often attacked. Why? Well, the Christian supposedly operates from a book that defines and describes man's sin nature and man's sin relationship. It tells that man is engaged in the realm of darkness. Now this offends those who have developed this political covenant. Bear in mind that the methods of most of the church and the political covenant are on a very much so a level basis. In other words, the political covenant and the modern church both teach an inclusivity, inclusivity and an equitableness that must be identified that the church and the political covenant are operating from the same general position. They include, and so does the church. How can this be? The church has determined to ignore the word of God. They have determined to place it in a time-sensitive environment. In other words, to say... That was then and this is now. And to redirect the meaning of scripture. This allows the political covenant to include those in the church who are willing to step on the son of God and call his actions unholy. And then insult because of that the grace of God. So why do they have such a distaste for the Christians as much as they try to accommodate the political covenant, the church still 
opens a book on Sunday that to those who operate under the political covenant is extremely offensive. There's a group who has gathered to rewrite the scripture and they want to leave out all references to sin. There's a group who says that artificial intelligence could rewrite the Bible and it would be then actually true. There's a group who wants to rewrite the Bible and leave Israel out of the content. China is rewriting a Bible that will add their specific governmental slant to what, who, and how the Chinese should believe. My friend, they hate you because of the Bible. Only if they knew just how little, just how little, minuscule, you actually know concerning the scripture. If they only knew how little emphasis the church puts on scripture, you would say then, well, if they knew that, then why are they worried about the Bible? Because that's not the issue, my friend. The issue is that if the knowledge that is contained in scripture was to get out, and the Christian was to begin to understand what the scripture says. And to begin to operate in the blood covenant as God designed it. The Christian would begin to operate completely and totally differently. He would act. He would think. He would behave. He would live differently. Because he would live under the kingdom value. And the kingdom value says that in the blood covenant there is a greater one. The greater one is the king who has the economy of ruling and reigning. And from ruling and reigning, that king is responsible for the lesser. So you and I, if we were living in the right economy, under the right kingdom, with the right understanding, would never have one thing that would ever bring us to a moment's worry. Because we would know that our king, who is the greater one, who is covenanted with us, will never leave us without him completing his perfect responsibility. Paul said that this responsibility would make you to rule and reign in this life. Now if we understood that from the scripture then the scripture would become the dynamic force God intended it to be. Because in that dynamic force, the blood, the covenant, is expressed and exposed. And as it is expressed and exposed, then every promise that is yea and amen flows from the throne room of God. This possibility cannot be allowed to come to fruition. So... They hate the Christian who is supposed to represent the book that is associated with their beliefs. Our belief system calls for us to live at a minimum in the Galatians 5 experience. At a minimum to live in the Galatians 5 experience. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If you live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. That is the minimum. 
That's the baseline from which us being forgiven at the cross and dying to the flesh and delivered from our old sin nature should reflect in us. But there is more. There is the life of being safe in the tabernacle where we worship. There is the mediation of a better covenant through Jesus Christ as Lord. And there is the intercession of Jesus Christ where He, being the man in the Godhead bodily, communicates, leads, guides, and directs and operates in the nine gifts of the Spirit. See, if we knew all of this, these experiences would begin to flow through us and begin to minister through us. And the world could be changed by us. But we don't. This experience now calls for us to be pure and live in an experience of holiness. It calls for the sin of the old man to be eliminated and the new man to be made by the force of the blood to become righteous. This Christianity draws lines in the sands, my friend. And therefore, from that book, that line-drawing book, the world hates you. Because you live by a book that seems to have parameters. Now, if I'm a Christian, my parameters are not rules and regulations as the world sees them. Actually, I can come into the Christian life through the blood and I can learn how to worship God. I can learn how to honor God. I can learn how to have an advocate with God through Jesus Christ. I can learn how to minister to Him and to others. I can learn how to go into His position as Lordship and have the entire benefit of the new covenant at my disposal, given to me by His Lordship. Then I can have Him intercede in my life. Now here's where all the world doesn't like this. Because they want to go their own way, do their own thing, satisfy themselves through their own lust, live by their own pride, get what they can get while they can get it because this is the only place that's required. See, this is foolish. And so the world looks at us and says, we don't want to live by rules and regulations. My friend, listen, I don't live by rules and regulations. No, 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 no. No one rules and regulates me. No, no. I love Jesus Christ. Therefore, I choose to bring myself into discipline. I'm not being disciplined by Him. I am disciplining myself to be in Him. That's a totally different place. The world looks at this Word of God and says it's a book of rules, do's and don'ts, you can's and you can'ts. I look at this Word of God and say it is none of that. It is a plethora of peace, love, joy, the Holy Spirit's truth and the glory of God. I look at it and say, I have an advocate with Jesus Christ the righteous while I live in this world. I have a means to know Him as Lord and the new covenant to be at my disposal and every promise and blessing of God to belong to me. I'm not interested in rules and regulations. I'm interested in my love to Him. And as I love Him and I become intimate with Him, He does what? Becomes intimate with me. Now I'm not worried about what I can't do. I'm not worried about the sin that my flesh would like to do. 
I'm concerning myself with loving him and knowing the God of the universe in everything that I do, every place I go, everything that I touch. See, the world is looking at this from an inferior perspective. I am not living according to rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. Let me tell you about those that are. They are steeped in darkness and they are steeped in selfishness and they are steeped in sin. Therefore, they see the word of God as a book of rules. No, I see the word of God as a word of love. That I can love God and be intimate with God. Would I rather be intimate with a world of sin or with the God of the universe? Well, now that's an easy answer to me. But you see, my friend, we draw the lines in the sand. That line is not drawn by God. That line is drawn by me. I draw that line. I draw that line to resist the devil and cause him to flee from me. I draw that line to give no place to them. I'm drawing the lines. God is not drawing lines. I'm drawing lines. And as I draw lines, I draw lines made in my love. My love for him. Not my love for myself, not my love for sin, not my love for pride, not my love for lust. I draw my lines based on my love for Him. Well, in this world of darkness and unrighteousness, we need to come into a, a place where our desires are changed and transformed. My desires have been changed and transformed because I stopped looking at rules and regulation and I started living to love God. They don't like the fact that our way of operating in the God economy says there's only one way to God and it's through Jesus Christ. They don't like the fact that there is that narrow way. They're not inclusive. They say. The church doesn't expose. The Bible doesn't expose rather. Diversity. The Bible is not equitable because they give definition to how you should live for Christ. So they don't like the word of God. Unfortunately for those in the political covenant. My friend, this is not a circular Christianity. The dividing line is a clear one. It's righteousness and unrighteousness. But the, the, the line that is driven is not a line that is driven because of anything God did. It's a line that's driven because I chose Him. I prefer Him. I prefer His will. I prefer His choices. That's different, my friend. The dividing line, the traits of both of, of, of righteousness and unrighteousness are very clear. Unrighteousness is full of selfish wants and desires. Unrighteousness is full of seeing God as rules and regulations. Righteousness is full of seeing that I love God. And He loves me. There's a difference. But where do we find these traits? Well... The problem for the world is, is that all of the things that I've just defined are found in the Bible. So you can clearly identify why the Western world has grown to detest the Christian. Because they see a book of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. 
because they don't know the God who wrote the book. And they haven't experienced the life-changing, life-transforming blood of Jesus Christ that causes me to love Him and me to discipline myself. The Christian is viewed in the world as operating from a different allegiance than we are. Although in our day we are called conservatives and that's related to the agenda of a particular party, even that group does not share the values of Christianity in all of its dealings. So the Christian in the West is placed into a very precarious position. We are to be a people of the blood covenant. But because we don't understand the blood covenant, we have been raised in a political environment. We don't understand how to operate in covenant. So we have geared ourselves to operate in the political. The outcome is a loss of connection with both the blood and the covenant upon which the blood's been based. Those we turn to, uh, those that then, because of the political covenant, turn to alternate means of expressing how God relates to those who believe. Of course, as we defined this morning, that leads us into faulty teaching concerning love and grace. These are taught are not biblical but social. They're a part of the political covenant. They have been made to fit into the ideology of a social culture. Now it must be this way for one reason. We don't understand the covenant, so we gravitate to what we can understand. The church has been preaching an agenda that fits the political covenant without understanding it. So why do we see people that under uh, that uh, don't, that understand? Now watch this. Why do we see people that understand covenant march in the streets? Those who are Palestinian and support the Palestinians. Well, the Palestinian people understand covenant. They come from an Eastern teaching. The Muslim teaching teaches covenant. There are people who understand the conditions of covenant as defined in their own teachings. So we see them protest in America with a tremendous vigor. We see Americans supporting their viewpoint. Why would they do this? Because they know that the American does not understand covenant. They want to appear to the American that they are protesting concerning a land that supposedly has been promised. That would be a political covenant. When we are protesting concerning land and not a promise, we're protesting on a political covenant. America buys into that. The Palestinian people know, however, and they understand covenant. Their goal is to divide us and to come under, to get us to come under their political covenant. And it has worked to a large extent. They're aware of the scripture. They're aware of the biblical covenant that was made with Israel. But they believe that a covenant was also made with Mohammed. So we have a covenant of land that's being fought over. The people who support Palestine are using a political covenant, protesting under that umbrella. Americans do not know, live by, or understand the blood covenant. So the political agenda makes sense to them. If they knew covenant, they would identify with Israel, which has a longer and more secure covenant. Why would that be?
Because it's a covenant that was ratified in blood. It was a covenant that was ratified in blood. Remember? Abraham split the animals and fell off to sleep. He saw the smoking furnace and the lighted lamp walk through the blood. The covenant had been ratified in blood. What Abraham was promised was promised by the ratification of blood. All Eastern learners know of the power of this covenant, but the West must be won over in their ignorance of what a covenant is and how it operates. This lack of blood covenant understanding is a tremendous deficit in the Western world. It opens many opportunities for the intellect to make a very uninformed decision. We don't understand the significance in the West of the blood covenant, so we cannot place the proper, proper significance upon what's happening in the Middle East. We can't place the proper significance upon what Jesus Christ did at the cross because we don't understand the blood covenant. Those who support Israel do not do so because of their understanding of the relationship of Israel to God through this covenant. They see it simply on its face value of which is the idea of the right to a safe life. And they see terrorist acts having been done against Israel. My friend, that's not a good reason to support Israel. We support Israel because Israel is under a covenant established with them by God. We support Israel because the God of the covenant has told us to pray for the peace of Israel. We support Israel because our relationship to the new covenant has been ratified in the blood of Jesus Christ. Our support is for the God of the covenant. He will expose himself and will win the war over each and every enemy that attacks his covenant. Why? Because he is the greater one. And the greater one is the one who is supporting who is defending, who is protecting his covenant. That goes for his covenant with me, as well as his covenant with Israel. If we saw the blood covenant in the light of its reality, we would identify the role that's required by those who are the second entry into the blood. We would recognize that we, as a believer, have a role to play in the blood covenant. He comes into this relationship by the faith in the blood and then the force that's released from the blood of, uh, 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 that is grace. Grace then reveals the actions of Jesus and we by faith allow the Holy Spirit to complete the actions in us by replication. But as the lesser, our connection to the covenant, what is it? Now knowing that this has uh, been produced from the love of God, we must understand that the connection for us is not the love of God. He has provided the covenant as our means to know him intimately. Well, is it the blood? Yes. Is it faith? Yes. Is it grace? Yes. Yes. But why do these not distinguish themselves as the mechanisms that serve to secure us in the covenant? They are the result of the covenant, but they do not secure our position or secure the benefits of the covenant. Because from the blood, grace, and faith has to come an internal element 
that separates the righteous from the unrighteous. It's in a four-letter word. One that we know. One that we use. One that we misrepresent. One that we don't understand in the economy of God. It's called love. We love him because he first loved us. He loved us in such a way as develop, to develop a means to be intimate with him. To know him intimately. He provided the opportunity from his love for us to covenant with him. And for that covenant to be the foundation of our response to him. Which is love. The Bible is full of scriptures that tell us we should love God. Now I want to show you those two scriptures I mentioned to you this morning. As I do that, remember God's love has already been on display. His love will never change. The love of God is what it is. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the greater one that does not change. Now the one who covenant with the greater one has but one thing to bring into the covenant relationship. We look at 1 Corinthians 2.9 and we see these words, them that love him. The word love that is spoken in reference to those who are in relationship with him is interesting. Listen to what it means. It will take the overriding force of God's love is over everything and grace covers everything because the one that loves him, prefers him, wants to live in him, wants to embrace his will, wants to choose his choices, wants to obey the will of God and shows that by the choices that he chooses to make. Therein is my love. Therein is my place of personal discipline. Changes the entire word of God. Does not release what the word of God says concerning sin. But it transforms us by our love and agreement in this covenant. It transforms us into a one who pref would prefer to live for God and discipline himself. One who would prefer to eliminate the unholy and take on the holy. One who would prefer to know the will of God and follow that and live and walk in that spirit. This is not a ministry of Jesus Christ. Like so many would want you to believe that is a ministry of rules and do's and don'ts. No, no, no. It is a ministry of cleansing, purging, and refining where I take him and love him and believe in him. And I prefer him and his teaching and his way over anything else. Nothing else gets in the way of my love for him. When sin attempts, I go into my way of escape. What is that, Pastor? My love for him. Is sin worth destroying my love for him? Or is my thought, my want, my, my, my selfish passion worth destroying my love for him? Someone said, yeah, but Pastor, he will forgive you. He will forgive you. Your willful sin crucifies him afresh. Your willful sin. 
My friend, I don't want to do anything to devalue my love relationship with Jesus Christ in the blood covenant. I want to be the lesser who loves him because he is the greater. I want to be the lesser who lives my love relationship until I can know that I know that I know that everything's working out together for good for me. And that neither height nor depth will ever separate me from the greater one. How come? Because I love him. Nothing can separate me from the love of God if I love him. Neither height nor depth. Now unto him who is able to do all things. That we can even begin to ask or think by the power of God that works in us. I love him. He loves me. And because he loves me, all things are going to work together for my good. Because I love him back. And I am the called according to his purpose. And because I love him back, there is not one thing that will separate me from that covenant. If we only understood it in the Western world, we would take our spiritual walk into places where the open heaven of judgment, of yea and amen, would fall upon our lives and we would live truly as more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray that you will minister. I pray that you'll open our eyes. Please, Lord, open our eyes so that we can see. Bring us to an understanding of how to covenant with you. Bring us to the understanding of what love gave us in the covenant and what grace will do for us in the covenant. And let us live our lives accordingly. Bringing ourselves under subjection. So that we can love you. And every blessing. That is in Christ Jesus. Can be appropriated in our lives. As being yea and amen. In the lovely name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Well I hope you enjoyed that. Um, that teaching is a, is a wonderful teaching. Uh, concerning the differences between the blood covenant and the political or social covenant. It also defines the differences between how we in the church are teaching uh, our relationship to God in the blood covenant, identifying um, the differences between the truth about love and grace. So there's a lot to it, my friend. I pray that you'll listen to it again and again, and it will begin to open your eyes to um, this great covenant that God has given us. Well, if you find him as Lord, you'll find him as the man who is mediating the new covenant and everything that has a name, a tongue, bows before him. If you find him as the man in the Godhead there, he'll intercede for you and he will show you great and mighty things to come. May God bless you until we speak again.